Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. This episode of VUX World is brought to you by Botmock, the best way to design your voice experiences. If you're still using, you know, post-it notes or, um, you know, sketch or you're using kind of other kind of prototyping manual effort sort of like tools, if you're if you're doing that, then you should really check out Botmock. It is a fantastic design tool where you can design things like Alexa skills and Google Actions. You can collaborate with your team within the platform. You can go all the way through to develop a handover. There's templates in there. You can preview and test it. It's it's a, an absolutely fantastic tool. You can try it out for free if you go to botmock.com slash V-U-X world. That is botmock, B-O-T-M-O-C-K dot com slash V-U-X world. Check it out. Thank you, Botmock. This week, we're speaking to Heidi Culbertson. She is the co-founder and CEO of Ask Marvi. And what they do, essentially, they design voice experiences for the older generation. Uh, the stats that stats, uh, Heidi has on the on the aging population in America is unreal. Ten, uh, what is it, 10,000 people turn 65 every day in the US. And, and those people over 65 have 70% of the country's discretionary income. The opportunities in designing and providing voice experiences for the elderly are absolutely vast, uh, but there's all kinds of things in here that will apply to you, even if you're not designing for the elderly. So we speak to Heidi today all around Ask Marvi, all around what it is and what the mission is and, and what it's up to and what Heidi's been up to. We get really into detail in all of the testing and all of the training that Heidi's, Heidi's been doing with the older generation, and people think of the older generation as being this huge group of people, but as you'll find out, it's actually as diverse as the rest of the population, lots of different generations within there, lots of different personality types and interests and attitudes. And some of the insights that Heidi has from the testing and from the user research that she's been doing is absolutely fascinating. There's, it's full of tips and tricks in terms of designing for the elderly. It's full of tips and tricks in terms of design practices you can use for yourself. And there's a lot of talk in there around just quite how big the opportunity is with the elderly in the voice space. This is a fantastic one. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm obviously joined by Dustin Coates as ever on this one. And this is Heidi Culbertson of Ask Marvi on VUX World. So yeah, so thank you for joining us, Heidi. Appreciate you spending the time to speak to us. I think what you're up to with Marvi sounds incredibly interesting. Uh, some people who were at the Voice uh, Summit may well have come across it and may well have heard you speak. Uh, people that are involved quite closely in the, in the voice industry, I'm sure, will uh, will be certainly familiar with you and, and the work that you've been doing. But for those that aren't, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the work that you're doing with Marvi? Sure, happy to. Um, I'm obviously Heidi Culbertson. I'm a 25-plus-year veteran in technology. Was ha- was fortunate to ride the early wireless, early mobile adoption curve, um, having worked for a wireless carrier, carrier and then a, a whole bunch of startups in the mobile app business. Um, but due to having an elder parent, uh, was exposed to... Uh, the original Amazon Echo back in 2014. And so Ask Marvi is a voice design company that specializes in designing voice experiences for older adults. 
and families and anyone who's involved in their aging journey. So uh, we're a design shop. We're very focused on a mission to just make life better by voice enabling life for older adults. So tell us a little bit about Ask Mavi then. So tell us a little bit what it does about what it does and the kind of premise. And then I know that you've got quite an interesting kind of founding story that surrounds it all. So first of all, tell, tell us a little bit about, about what Ask Mavi does. So Ask Mavi is a platform of different skills um, and, and actions that we've built for engagement. Um, social, social isolation is probably the largest um, health risk uh, in, in the world, but in the, especially in the U.S. where over 30% of those who, um, 30% of the older population identify as having less than two people to rely on. So Ask Marby is set up to provide different features, uh, notifications, social engagement, uh, kind of utility um, features, and then social engagement from games to what's for lunch, what's for dinner. So we're building both a platform of features for the consumer side, and we're also building a B2B uh, kind of closed network for senior living communities um, where they can add their residents and distribute information and content to kind of that closed community. So we've got kind of two uh, revenue streams driving and two audiences to meet. Mm, that's interesting. Sorry, go on, Dustin. And I was just going to ask a little bit more about how that B2B side works. So that sounds uh, really interesting. Is it quite different than what you're doing on the B2C side? Or what does that look like exactly? Um, great question. It's, it is different. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. So some of the things, because we've developed quite a few private um, kind of skills. Uh, individually, we do a lot of consulting. Um, and the B2B side is, if you think about whether it's a, uh, uh, an actual senior living community if, or it could be a home health uh, company that serves clients that, that are aging in their own home. Um, how that works is we invite, uh, it's a licensed, uh, it's a licensed uh, platform. The community adds their residents to their, um, closed community and every, and then they can assign those residents to things like what's for lunch, what's for, uh, what's the activity of the day. Um, the activity is X, Y, Z. Do you need help getting there? Yes. Okay. We'll schedule Mike to, uh, games where a lot of, a lot of communities have different activities and there might be a choir. They might be, uh, playing, uh, they might be playing, I don't know, Monopoly or, you know, name, name an I love Lucy episode. Um, and we're voice enabling those type of games for them. Uh, to also include the Echo Dots because uh, it helps with mobility and speed and things like that. So we're doing a lot of B2B um, kind of community type uh, design um, that will help with engagement, memory, um, those type of things. So those games, is that is that a game that people will play kind of together in a, in a room with the same device or is that something that they'll play individually in their separate rooms, but all through that device? 
Um, good question. And, and it's funny because games, uh, you know, we hear a lot about kids' games being developed, um, but games have been very popular amongst older adults. Um, we are designing in a couple different ways. Uh, we've designed some that they can use in their own kind of residential unit, whether that's at home or within their senior living community. And then we have some that are designed to be played in the common area with a group. We are not on the B2B side. We're not playing with others. We're not playing with a, with a fake opponent and we're not playing with others globally. Um, we're really trying to drive, use voice to drive older adults to be engaged with the community that surrounds them. And that's whether it's a game, whether it's an activity, whether it's just a notification uh, set up. Um, you know, we, we started Marvy because I had an elder parent who was really active, played tennis till she was 87. Uh, was legally blind by age 90 due to macular degeneration and her entire world changed. Um, we gave her the echo the first week it came out, opened up her world again, uh, and we started building, and this is in 2016, we started building um, Alexa features and Alexa skills for a very specific purpose. We were very early, so we ended up uh, deciding to spend time with users. And we spent all of 2017 and half of 2018 with older adults. And we've trained, gosh, it's probably close to 15,000 now, um, older adults, just how to use Alexa. Because we, we wanted to understand the age group. Um, because the over 65 population is not one big monolithic group. Um, in the U.S., and, and we've talked about this, in the U.S., 10,000 people turn 65 every single day um, and aging and that will, and that will be the case for the next 19 years. So it's, it's a need, but it's also a business opportunity. Um, so in spending all that time with users and having, listening to them speak to Alexa, speak to Google home, uh, listening to the side conversations they have, was very enlightening uh, because there's three generations over the age of 65 and they all interact with Alexa a little differently. So that affects design. In what way do they act, uh, interact differently? Um, so the oldest old, which is really kind of age 90 and up, which is the World War um, II generation, um, they, when they... They are much more polite than we are today, number one. So they say please and thank you in almost everything they say to Alexa. It's really interesting. Um, and the follow-on mode that Alexa put out a couple, seven, you know, six months ago where you know, they leave the session open uh, was a huge hit amongst older adults because now when they say thank you, Alexa would say you're welcome. And they used to get mad that it didn't before. Uh, but, you know, that's the, the oldest old is the generation that listened to the radio growing up. There was no TV uh, until later. So if you're doing an Alexa skill or a Google action, that's a story. That's more interactive stories, um, a longer narrative. They actually prefer to listen to a male voice because it reminds them of listening to the radio way back when. 
Um, if it's a caregiving action, whether it's a notification to family um, or possibly to a care team, they prefer a female voice. Um, all of the voice assistants speak too quickly. So from a design perspective, it's critical to understand if your audience has a slice of uh, older adult, um, to slow it down, that you've got to use, you know, SSML and, and other tools to slow down the rate of speech. Uh, as people age, people start to lose a little bit of their hearing. So you have to make sure there's enough time. Now, that's the oldest generation. Then there's this block that's, you know, kind of 70 to 90, and you'll have a mix. Um, they have an interest in travel. You know, active seniors have an interest in travel and exploring and learning new things. Uh, if there's a little bit of care involved uh, and there's a remote family member, um, designing how you design involves not just the interaction between the voice assistant and the older adult, but you have to design in the family member. So it's not just a two-way interaction. It actually could be a three or four or five or six-way interaction as far as your design flow goes. Yeah. And what about the, the group underneath that then? the You mentioned the, the 90 plus and the 70 to 90. What about what's different about the ones kind of underneath that? So I said yeah, below. Yeah, different about that is there's a role reversal. So they're they're like you know you're you're gonna design and I'm in that group. Well, I'm not quite in that group actually. What am I saying? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my my older siblings are all in that group. Um, they're you know they're kind of in the design for all. You want a multimodal um, uh, experience, uh, but flip the hundred year old to the sixty year old, sixty five year old. Normally, they're going to interact like everyone else does, but they are—they want to be on the receiving end because a lot of them have elder parents who are eighty and ninety. So, so you—it's almost, you know, um, you know. And then there's a little bit yet the young side of that uh, is really kind of keeping an eye on two families. They're raising their own, who still have kids, and they might probably adult kids, but now they have elder parents. So it's kind of the sandwich caregiving situation so it's really just being aware of what surrounds the individual using using the uh, the the voice devices you were mentioning earlier on around 10k 10,000 people turn 65 every day and you've also got mad that in it but you've also got another thing around the amount of discretionary income that that group of people control as well yeah, so when you look at the over 65 population, you, you really have to look at, you can't, you can't look at it as this big block of users. Um, but because this is a generation that's, you know, at the tail core, at the tail end of working, um, the over 65 population controls 70% of the discretionary money um, in, um, you know, in, in, as they enter retirement. So... It's a huge opportunity, and again, we're still early in voice experience and voice design and just using voice um, as it evolves. But it's a huge opportunity for a voice comp. <clears throat> and the older adult and the older adult adoption of, of smart devices is, is you know very high growth. 
because it's the first interface that is easy to use for everybody, but especially for older adults. Yeah. Have you, you mentioned you've done a lot of training and presumably you've done quite a lot of sort of testing. We'll probably get into the testing uh, in a little while, but in terms of the training, I mean, my nana was around, she, she's 81, I think, 82 maybe, and all it took was for her to see me use it once and tell her that you just say Alexa first and then what say anything else after it. And, you know, for someone who is completely opposed to technology like and pretty vocal about that, you know, she doesn't want the internet, DVD players, even though that no one has a DVD player hardly these days, DVD players are like just completely not wanted. But within half an hour, not even half an hour, it was it was like moments later, I was in the next room and, and she's asking Alexa to play some Gordon Lightfoot. So it's like the, 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 the barrier, I suppose, or the kind of like onboarding process is fairly simple. You mentioned that you don't, you know, anyone can sort of use it if they can speak kind of thing. So what is involved in in training people, to older people to use these devices from what you've been working on over the last year or so? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and it's very different today um, in comparison to what it was like a year and a half ago. Um, but most of the training, and it depends on the age group, um, most of the training, uh, the difficulty is, number one, is just playing in the setup. As easy as it is to set up the, the uh, devices and, you know, um, usually someone is setting it up for the older adult. Less than 50% of older adults, uh, of, less than 50% of those over 65 have smartphones. So, they, you know, a year ago, it's like, okay, how do I access the Alexa app? I don't have a smartphone. Uh, of course, you can go to alexa.amazon.com. That's not something everyone knows. So the key to training older adults has always been to find what do they do every day? Because you and I have been using voice, you know, the three of us have been using voice for quite some time. But older adults, as much as they know what to speak, they don't know how to ask. So <clears throat> the first thing you do with an older adult is set up a light, turn on the light, is find something they're going to do every day. Because fall prevention is such a big issue as you age, um, connecting a light is important. You can talk about... Um, in training, you know, you can ask for a song. Well, if they don't listen to music normally, they're not going to start. <laughs> so it's really finding what are they interested in? Is there a podcast? Is there a radio station? A lot of them listen to radio. And then it's really just really giving them the correct phrases. You know, a year ago, you had to say the phrase exactly the way, you know, it was, it was needed. There's a little bit more flexibility now as we've, as, as skill developers and designers, if we've learned how to add alternatives uh, phrasing to, to our skills. Um, but it's really about uh, finding that one routine that's, that's going to happen every day, and then they start using it. Because uh, in the beginning, a lot of I, I used to get a lot of calls about, about how to train because their pilot groups were not adopting. And, you know, after they learned it the first day, they weren't using it. And you want them to use it for more than just music. 
out. You know, how do you pull your Kindle book? <clears throat> how do you buy a new Kindle book when you don't really know how to, you know, your, your kids do it for you? So it's really just learning the phrasing. And what's, what implications would you say that this has for individual skill developers, people who aren't necessarily creating the entire experience for some uh, for these uh, for these groups, but are building just one small part that they really want to be inclusive to them as well? I think it's a huge opportunity. I think it's an opportunity for. Um, you know, it's rare we have the opportunity to do to do good and build a business or make money at the same time. And as monetization changes for skill developers, uh, I think it's very difficult to um, build skills for the entire over 65 population. So, for example, we don't do healthcare. <clears throat> we do well-being. Uh, we're, you know, our mission is normally when someone's aging. You know, they might be active and then something happens. They have a knee replacement, you know, they get sick, which, whatever it is. And their life changes. And then there's this, you know, one year, 10 year, 20 year period where their um, social circles change. That's where we're targeting. There are other skill developers who are targeting healthcare and, the, and they're waiting for the clouds to become HIPAA compliant. For skill developers, uh, granted, I'm I'm 60 years old, and I'm the youngest of a large family, and thus I had an older parent, and I've been in technology for a long time. This audience is a huge opportunity for business. Um, so, skill developers should define where in the opportunity, where does where does it interest them? whether it's just sending simple notifications so someone can send an I'm okay message, whether it's developing a cool game for an older adult, whether, you know, it's the first step is always, you know, what utility can I build? And then it's about how do you turn utility into adoption? And then how do you turn adoption into engagement? And for older adults, how do you let them engage with the community that surrounds them locally? And then how do you, the next step is always, how do you bring the community towards them so they stay engaged in this life? So for skill developers, there's a ton of opportunity um, in the B2C kind of aging in place, what's called aging in place world. Um, there is a lot of opportunity in building custom skills, which we do a lot of private skills for different senior living communities. Um, whether that's in the U.S. or, or you know, around the world, because aging's um, the entire world's population is aging. But there's a different. I mean, you have to you have to spend time with the audience because you have to understand where they get tripped up when they're speaking to a voice assistant. Makes a world of difference. Mm. And where where do they typically get tripped up when they're talking to a voice assistant? Um, normally, it's uh, it's the assistant speaking too quickly, and they didn't, and they don't hear it. So understand that they're going to say repeat more often um, until you know. Hondify has a setting in their app that you can change the rate of speech. We have to do that as designers if we design for Actions or or, or uh, Alexa or the others. 
Um, very clear instructions up front are important, and it helps to put a sound um, around when you're going to ask a question because that kind of re-alerts them to listen a little harder or better. Um, so there's little nuances. We have a group of 70-year-olds that actually help us write our conversations. That is such a good idea. You know, because this is a generation that, um, and you know, we have, a, some of this is kind of our secrets, part of our secret sauce, but we have, uh, we're serving a generation that grew up without technology. They're not afraid of it. Um, that's a myth. Um, this is the generations that invented, you know, the television and went to space. You know? <laughs> uh, but they grew up writing letters. So complex conversation is, is second nature to them. So, uh, you know, but they have a different slang vocabulary. Uh, they, they laugh at different things. Um, uh, it's, and they're, it's not, I don't want to identify them as different, but from a designing perspective to, to drive engagement as a skill developer, you have to understand what will make them say, you know, next or come back or keep the session going. Um, and the best way to do that with any audience, whether it's older or not, is, you know, is to spend time with users. If you're still writing code uh, to design and test your chatbot conversation and experience, then you should check out BotMock. Uh, it's the smartest way to design and prototype conversational apps. So if you're using things like you know mind maps and process maps and whiteboards, or if you're getting straight into the code to try and build some stuff, um, or if you're using things like Sketch to try and build sort of prototypes in, then 100% check out BotMock. You know, it's, it's companies of all sizes using it, small companies, large companies. Uh, you can build Alexa skills in there and it'll save you hours because you can actually collaborate with your whole team while you're designing your thing. It's, uh, you know, even down to handing it over to developers. The whole thing is a, is a huge collaboration tool. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Do check it out. You can try Botmock for free at botmock.com slash VUX world. That's B O T M O C K dot com slash VUX world. How important is it not just to spend the time with the users, but you mentioned also bringing some of that target, the target age audience into to write some of the scripts, write some of the responses. How important is it to bring them in on that side as well? I think it's very important. Um, we've, we've realized that um, very quickly. And, and that's why we've, we're, you know, we're going through from a business perspective, you know, we started off, we're gonna build this, this platform of different features to serve this. Um, as, we, as time has evolved, you know, as some of the calls and consulting advisory work that we do, um, you know, we, we really have to define us, ourselves more as a design shop that's doing X, you know, that's, serve, that's doing voice experiences. Um, when, you, when you're around the users and they're interacting with the Echo device and you've got a group, it's very interesting if you will listen to the side conversations of the group rather than the person just talking to the Echo. Because out of that side, those side conversations come all these ideas and, and different tangents that where the converse, the voice conversation might go. 
which is fascinating. And, and bringing those people in to help you craft the conversations um, makes a world of difference. Uh, I can't tell you how many times we, we've had um, some of our kind of our secret sauce group, um, you know, test a script and say, and say, wait a minute, I know you put a, I know you put a pause there, or I know you put a lengthy break, but you need another one here. It's too fast. Or, boy, it'd be nice if you could use a different voice there. Um, so it's, you know, it's within any user group, uh, input, input along the entire path is helpful. Not just from a, okay, we built this, let's have them beta test it. Have them involved in the creative process. It sounds as though you're kind of getting in. I mean, this is a whole sort of new area of user research that, from what I can see, hasn't really been kind of explored. The stuff that you're saying there around getting people involved in the creation process and they can then pick out, you know, what whether the pauses are timed correctly and, and whether the cadence is, is, is kind of right and stuff like that. Is there, is there anything different that you would do when you're approaching a user research study or maybe it's a, a design workshop or, or some kind of kind of like beta testing or, or all of that outreach that you're doing and the user research that you're doing? Is there anything in particular that you do differently when you're doing it with an older audience to get these kind of insights or do you treat it like any other research project? I um. You know, my, my background is in doing research projects. Um, so when, although I've been doing UX on the mobile side forever, uh, it's a little different because um, there's less of an inherent understanding of how workflows happen. So if I'm working with a younger audience on a workshop, on a, on a kind of user research on, on a mobile app, I already know that they know how to swipe and they know how to, you know, pinch and they know how to, uh, you know, upload or download an app and do updates and all of that. With an older generation, some of them know it, um, but it's not inherently logical to them that they need to open a skill and then they need to ask, say, stop or help or it's just, there's a little bit of training there just on real basic things. And then once they have an understanding of that and you explain, okay, this is what we're trying to do. You're all, you know, creative. You've all been kind of living a, a, a handwritten world in your early days. So you're experts for us. Once they, they understand that they're the experts for us, um, you run it like any other, any other user experience project. How much of what you find when you're, doing this training and this research it sounds as though you get a lot of feedback from the design side so we mentioned about putting pauses in different places and and slowing down the voice and that how much of the feedback do you find is feedback that you can actually implement in terms of the design versus how much actually might be feedback on the actual system itself how much is feedback on on the alexa platform itself and how much can you actually do something about is there a mix or is it largely all around the design uh, it's largely around the design, and that's my intention. Um, we have some some users. Um, you know, we, we, we started our training program because the faster folks learned how to use Alexa, the faster the adoption of Marvy would happen, <laughs> number one. Number two was the user. We wanted, we wanted user experience data. 
Now, today, we have, a, we have several people in our group who are building their own skills on Storyline and, and some of the other, um, you know, kind of no-coding platforms. Um, they ask, they're starting to ask a few different questions, um, but for the most part, it's really, our focus has always been to work from the user experience backwards. I mean, that's been my philosophy as you meet customers where they are and help them get where they think they want to go. <laughs> uh, so our, our company is 100% about, okay, this is the user experience. Now, who, where, what, how does this experience need to touch the back, our backend from a system perspective? How does it need to touch family members, uh, which affects the backend system? So it's primarily about design but it does affect how you architect your systems. Um, because even the simplest thing, which we put out, we're about to take down the original Marvy skill because we've re rebuilt it. But even back in early 2016, we had a couple just simple notifications. The older adult would say, ask Marvy to send I'm okay. And a text message or email would go to the contacts that they had loaded into the, our customer portal. And they could, you know, configure it. This one gets text, this one gets email. Well, part of that training of even setting that up was, okay, we need to have the family member know that they have to opt in to receive that text message. How do we build, how does that affect our system? And how does that slow down the older adult? So even though we're talking about design, design flow always feeds back to how the systems uh, work together. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, because we're not a training company, we do a lot of training, um, but most of our training uh, was in the early days, and we still do workshops on, on just training how to use the device. We do workshops and ask older adults to come in, and then we're very, you know, adamant. We're just, we're building skills. Um, we have a lot out there. We're about to, we're about to launch uh, several kind of exercise skills for seniors. Because um, it's all about keeping them active and happy. <laughs> and so you mentioned Alexa a few times now. Are which platforms are you working on? Is it just Alexa? Or are you working on other platforms as well? So right now we're we're only working on Alexa. Uh, our our originally we started there because it was the only one out there. Uh, we wanted to watch. We have a couple Google Actions out there. Um, we wanted to watch where the adoption happened. Um, not so much the capability of the platform, but where is the adoption happening for in the older adult population of what are they buying? Uh, so our plan is to always be kind of platform agnostic, voice service agnostic. We will kind of translate everything into uh, Google Actions and on the other platforms. Um, a lot of the studies come out that come out about you know, how many devices have been sold. Um, what's the growth rate of different demographics, both from a geography perspective and an age population. And it's, it, you know, I, I made a comment. I said, you know, there's high growth in the over 65 of these devices. I said, but what we're not capturing is a lot of the devices that, the, that older adults have were given them to them by one of their kids. So you can't really track who's purchasing. We need to track who's actually using. 
Because for this generation, that's different. Because a lot of them are gifted, you know. My kids gave me an Echo for Christmas. I got a Google. I have all of them all over the house. (laughs) (laughs) And we're testing a lot of things on the accent side. And I actually do a lot of design and um, dialogue flow. Um, It's just our audience is still heavily um, on on the Alexa side. So, uh, and then we do fun skills for just general populations too. It's just, there's such, it just, it matters that we enable voice for the, our, our older loved ones. Cause this is not, you know, this is not designing just for older adults. This is designed for mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. <laughs> We want to we want to keep their life special, and voice just make, makes it easier. I mean, things become more difficult with age, um, and we're all living longer. Um, we're not, you know, older adults are not this, you know, invalid group of people. Um, but interaction, we are, we know it ourselves. Interaction via voice is just easier. So if we can bring back simple and easy, um, and kind of combat the engagement, engage with your world. Um, it's all a good thing and it's, and it's a huge business opportunity because as much as I'm doing social good, I'm building, I'm building a company. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you mentioned around doing, obviously you've done a lot of work with older people and you've done a lot of training, a lot of research, a lot of sort of different kind of design things that you've learned and stuff. But then also a part of the platform is the other person on the on the kind of the receiving end of it. So the family member, for example, or the person who has either gifted them the device or who is kind of part of that network. And you mentioned that, you know, within the platform, you can do things like send a text message to tell somebody that you're OK. And I think you mentioned before last time we spoke that you can actually ask Alexa to tell your uh, daughter or whatever that you'd like her to come and visit or something along those lines. So you, and, and I think at the beginning, you mentioned that, that you needed to do some sort of work with those people, either the relations or the friends of the older person. What what role did they play throughout the creation and what role did they play in actually using or contributing to the system and how did you approach involving them when it came to the design? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. It takes me back to my roots because we do a lot of design work. We do a lot of user experience work. But the bottom line is we're developing uh, voice skills for, for older adults, families, and anyone who surrounds them as they assist them. So in the beginning, when we first launched, uh, my mother used to send an, an email that just said, I'm okay on the subject header, even when she was playing tennis down in Florida. Uh, just, you know, because we, she had, you know, she has six kids that were like, is mom okay? <laughs> you know, she's, you know, she's 85 and still playing tennis. Um, when she lost her eyesight, we added dragon dictation to her computer. So she would just do it, you know, she would just speak it. Well, then she lost her eyesight completely and she couldn't find the app to open it. So we put it up in the corner of her iPad and then she would feel for it. <laughs> mm. uh, and then she couldn't anymore. So we had this gap. And then when the Echo came out, it was like, oh, okay. The very first thing we're going to do is send an I'm okay message. And then when I'm talking to my family and, and kind of the neighbors, actually, um, who, were, who also had elder parents, they were part of 
okay, how about if we just send it via text message? And then one of them said, no, I don't really like the text. I, I prefer getting it as an email. And then we're like, okay, so now we have this portal. The, you go in and you add the contact. We had actually had four features, four different notifications. Um, I'm okay, sending an I'm okay, sending a check on me, sending visit me, um, sending uh, I want you to call me because this is in the early days, 2016, before calling and messaging. And, you know, back when, when you asked Alexa what time it was and she would say 1240 and she didn't say a.m. or p.m., which is crazy. Um, and then family news. So we asked them how, you know, how, how should we compete? What do we need to, what, what do we need to do to, what do we need to include, sorry, um, in the configuration? Because um, we legally have to verify mobile and email. But do we want to give them a choice of one or the other or both? So family members that gave us that input. Um, several of our initial, because uh, once my mom started using it, a couple of her neighbors wanted it. And we were secretly locked. We had hacked into the device before development even opened. Um, some of the neighbors wanted it. So we actually... Family news came about because some of the older adults had really large families and they were having difficulty dialing the phone anymore because they couldn't really see the buttons. Um, so we developed a mobile app uh, for the family members so that they could send messages back to Marvy and then Marvy would distribute the message when the older adults had asked Marvy for family news. So that's a long answer to a question that, you know, yes, every step of the way we looked at who might who else might be involved and then we need to talk to them so we understand what's easiest for them because they come from a different technologies kind of baseline it's been fascinating and we get asked a lot you know will you do medical medicine management and i said you know first of all the clouds are not hipaa compliant right now my my goal is not to uh, design hospital and inpatient and healthcare uh, applications. I'm gonna leave that to um, kind of the real healthcare organizations. Although we've consulted a lot on user design, um, ours is really about how do we keep these people socially engaged and how do we make it easier for the families. That I'm okay message, as simple as it is to do, has a huge impact because it meant. We moved my mother from, as an example, I always use my mom as an example, from Florida to Boston when she completely went blind at 90, because um, most of my family's in Boston. And my sister used to stop in every morning. Well, once she could send the I'm okay message, my sister would just keep going to work and check on her later, which helped her from a work perspective. So it's really understanding kind of the, the um, Kind of, I, I hate to call it a workflow, the family flow, uh, and and then how can you insert voice uh, to make that just easier for everybody? What challenges are you facing now? Then, so you mentioned you're redesigning the platform. Well, in fact, let's do the challenges after this. Let's t first of all tell us a little bit about. You said you were going to update the platform, and you're doing a, a big rebuild. The first time you've done it since uh, since you first built the initial one. What? Why are you doing it, and, and what's changing? Yeah, so um, we launched the original Marby consumer skill um, in 2016 with those simple four features. 
And back then, I mean, the, you were limited in the number of characters to 500. Um, you could only have two slots. Uh, there's just a you know there's a lot of uh, design and development tools that have come about since then. So and and they were very simple. They were send an I'm okay message. The recipient received a email or text message, and we always wanted to be able to have that that family member respond back to the echo via the same uh, pathway. So if they received a text, can they text back? Um, so there's a lot of things that we couldn't do just because it wasn't possible from a technical perspective that we want to add enhancements to. We also have, we'll sunset a couple of the features because uh, calling and messaging has come, back, come, come out. Um, the call me feature is not used as often. Uh, the I'm okay without a doubt is the biggest hit, even though it's very simple. Um, so we thought about, you know, let's just enhance the existing, but since we built it so long ago and so many things have changed, um, and there's just the back end, there's just more capability. Uh, we're going to, we're going to literally sunset it, tear it down and we've been rebuilding it. Now on the B2B side, we're in stealth mode. So other than some beta testing and doing some, a lot of, private skills that are published privately. Um, you know, you, you, when, when we architected in 2016, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knew? Um, I mean, I remember we wrote, because uh, I've got a background in IoT also, uh, we wrote a lot of them so that we could, you know, we had, a, we had an Echo device talking to another Echo device across the country in 2000. Um, so we knew there were a lot of capabilities we wanted to um, eventually get certified. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's just, it's time. The adoption happened. We were so early um, that uh, I felt there was such a huge and immediate impact as you talked about even with your mom, with your mom or your grandmother. I can't remember. Uh, it was so, it was so immediate. Um, and it really was so helpful and opened up the world that from a, from a adoption standpoint, that's when we started to train from a, it was a revenue stream also. I mean, there was, when you look at emerging technology, there's different phases where you can capture revenue, and training was one of them at that time. Um, so beyond user experience, um, and a lot of the training and the user, uh, our conversation designers is what they call themselves, or talk. They call themselves actually talk designers. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of the nuances will add to uh, future. Um, capabilities, whether it's in the Marvy skill, which Marvy will always be made up of several different features. Then we'll have um, different skills that are that can be enabled both on the B2B side and the consumer side. We're coming out, um, it's in certification right now, but we've got one that's, a, that's chair exercise. Kind of the sit and be fit um, to keep them active so they can just do chair exercises at home. Um, that will be available to anyone but it could also be done within a, within a senior living or senior center group. So it's a lot of opportunity, but we're very focused on just keeping people moving, keeping them engaged and keeping, um, 
um, you know, older adults remaining with a feeling of independence and control, family members having peace of mind and preemptive awareness, um, bringing the community towards all of them. Um, and, you know, I mean, voice literally is, is going to revolutionize aging. Hmm. Well, it has a lot of potential, doesn't it? And I know we've kind of gone all over the place. Just, you know, I know more about aging than I ever wanted to know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, very different from mobile. User experience and design has always been important. Um, but with voice and older adults and family members and designing the workflow, how they all kind of interact with each other. And do we need to send a notification here? Even though they're just playing a game, you know, um, uh, it's very different from design for, for mobile. Um, it's very different from development for mobile. Um, you know, you kind of, you actually, you even look at the technical stack a little differently. Um, because you have more, you know, where we might, you might build a stack that, you know, you're obviously using third party systems and tools and, and interfaces. Um, it's a different tool set when you have to build interfaces that start with voice, um, but have to distribute in a method and a path that makes sense to the extended family um, and can return data back to the user. It's very, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but the biggest thing, no matter who, who you're developing or designing for in voice, whether it's kids, whether it's, you know, sim- keep it, you know, it's keep it simple. <laughs> People used to poo-paw, oh, you know, you're just sending an IMOK message. They said, you have no idea how many, how many adult children want an IMOK message from their, from their older parent and how many older parents want to send an IMOK message so their kids will stop bothering them. and that part's understanding the 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 user and the and the use case and then building both from a design and development perspective in parallel it's interesting that it's probably an example of where doing that research initially ends up giving you an idea or or a use case that you would never have even imagined in the first place and if i didn't have an older parent uh, at the time then, you know, and I have a lot of older siblings. So, uh, you know, the, the four original features all came from, were actually my mother's idea. When she got the echo, we started teaching her how to use it. And, you know, she couldn't see the light on top because she was blind. And this is, you know, what, November, December, 2014. And she would, you know, we taught her how to ask for music. She loved to read, loved to sing, um, and, you know, actually wore her glasses till the day she died because she refused to believe she couldn't see anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she used to go, can I do this? Can I do this? Or how about if I send you the I'm okay message through this? Then you guys can stop bugging me every morning. <laughs> that's where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's weird. So, so what, 
what would you like to see um you know from either the alexa platform is there any challenges that you're facing at the moment or is there anything that you would like to see in terms of either feature releases or enhancements that would enable you to um either either implement a particular use case that you that you have ideas on or what do you think would make it easier from an adoption perspective or what, what would you like to see kind of either changed or enhanced in in the kind of voice world um, i think we'll see i mean beyond seeing you know just the improvement and, and, you know, just the natural language processing, all of that. But from a, from a skill development perspective and a skill design perspective, we spend an awful lot of time, I'd say most of our time, is spent on really defining the cadence of the speech, um, you know, SSML, you know, manipulations, um, sound con, all of that type. It would be much easier if I could globally say for this skill, I want to, I want to change the rate, this percentage for the entire skill, and then I'll just add emphasis. Um, so I'd like to see some better designer uh, manipulation, but I'd also like to see from the ability for all of the platforms to allow user controls. So if I'm 10 years old um, and I have a stutter, I wish I could adjust the way Alexa speaks to me. If I'm 90 year old, years old and I'm blind um, and I have, I'm deaf in one ear, I have hearing aids, I wish I could say, Alexa, change speech rate to six, just like we change volume. Um, so I'd love to see the platforms evolve to have some user controls um, because it's, uh, I think there, there are skills out there that are not used besides the whole ser voice search um, issue, um, which I think is going to be uh, innovative. Uh, I don't think we can do search the way we do it on web or mobile. Uh, but that's another conversation. Uh, uh, I, I believe that uh, there needs to be, it's time. Uh, I think they all know it's been needed, but it's time the adoption is happening. It's time to give users a little bit more control and there's, and it's time to give designers a little bit control, which will make developers happier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Dustin, any final thoughts or any final questions? No, I think we've covered a lot today. I think we've uh, gone over a lot of different subjects throughout our conversation. Yeah, it's been it's been very interesting. That I think it's it's a an area that you know the the aging population. It's not just in America. The UK is exactly the same. The the population is an aging population. Oh, it's a global. It's a global thing. Hundred mm, percent, and I think that I've I've never come across uh, a company who's quite breaking quite as much ground, or a person who's quite breaking quite as much ground in terms of trying to figure out exactly what these people need, and and you know it's 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 so interesting some of the things that you've learned and some of the the kind of enhancements that you've been able to make and the value that you're providing people is absolutely fantastic so thank you very much for joining us where where can people um i know you mentioned that the b2b side of things is in a bit of a stealth mode now uh, but where can people either you know keep track of the development on that and keep track of or figure out what you're up to and and, and get involved or maybe even try out ask marvi um sure um the website is askrv.com uh, I can be found on Twitter 
at H Culbertson is my personal Twitter, which is really all about boys. Uh, Ask Marvy, the company is at Ask Marvy is the Twitter handle. Uh, I can be reached via email at Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, at askmarvey.com, and that's A-S-K-M-A-R-V-E-E.com. So I hope this was helpful. Uh, I know we went all over the place. Uh, huge opportunity. I hope this inspires others to um, uh, help get involved in designing and developing and, and really blowing out monetization also for older adults. Fantastic. Heidi, that was inspirational. Thank you so much for joining us. That's been absolutely unbelievable. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Heidi Culbertson. Thank you so much, Heidi, for joining us. That was um, a really interesting episode, that. I think that kids' skills and kids' kind of interactions with Alexa and and, and Amazon promoting it and everybody kind of hopping on the, the kind of kids' skills bandwagon is it's really well documented and it's it seems to be that you know that is one of the real primary use cases i feel as though maybe the older generation is probably being a little bit overlooked here and heidi is is one of the few uh, organizations i know Vinny loki are doing some work in this space um but heidi seemingly i mean she's done a hell of a lot of research hell of a lot of testing got incredible insights um so there's a lot of tips in there for people who are wanting to design for for the older generation and as heidi said there's a huge opportunity there because you know the population is an aging population you know the uk um i don't know i don't know what the stats are in the from the uk's perspective but in the us Heidi was saying that ten thousand people turn 65 every day which seems seems absolutely mental um and if they're controlling or, or, or have a large part of the discretionary income then you know the, the opportunities to come could be quite significant um, so do have a think about that. I hope you know take some time to digest that. I certainly will. I think that it's uh, it's an interesting area, uh, full of opportunity, and we'll see. I wish I wish ask Marvy all the best. Wish wish Heidi all the best. And uh, yeah, that, that was an interesting one. Thank you, Heidi, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Dustin, for co-hosting. And as always, boys and girls, thank you all for listening. Until next time, see you later. <laughs>